mentioned before that my wife uh, has family in Germany, and one year to visit them, we flew through Switzerland and, and spent a few days there, and, and it became a game to us because we decided that we were going to, uh, we're going to go native, and so we're going to use only public transportation. We didn't rent a car, just only public transportation, so uh, trains, buses, sort of thing. And the amazing part to us is literally everything worked like clockwork. We would be sitting there, and, and I would even have this challenge. I'd be looking at the, the schedule for the next train, and they have all these amazing clocks on schedule and so forth. And they're all synchronized. And I'd be watching, and literally two to three seconds, the train starts pulling in tighter and tighter. And I kept saying, ah, this is arrival and departure screen for the train station, and kid you not, they turn red, like red alert. This is going late. And it was all of, I think, a minute and 30 seconds late. And maybe you have experienced something like that, hopefully something
merciful, more graceful than we could ever think. One of the crucial ways that Jesus is this kind of Lord is because of his work on our behalf, his work up at Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14. Let me first explain that a little or I'll explain it. And uh, I want you to see this uh, simply feel and try to know it is what we need to be seeing here and, and how it's going to be this morning. Far more perfect than trains in Switzerland. Far more perfect than a vacation or
military trust. Many years ago, more than I choose to recount, I was in Boy Scouts, and I was at a summer camp for a couple of years. And I was really excited for one of the years of summer camp because it was the year when I was finally old enough and tall enough and big enough to sit in the recliner and have a good time. So you, you climb up all the way to the top of the Peace Tower, and you're down there with the witness there wieners and the ropes and everything. And, and I will not forget the direction that I stood because my knees gave me the lift to step on it. If you hold on to the rope, everything will be fine. So you set a good example because you were trying to demonstrate that you could take care of yourself. And it was great. It was wonderful. It was, it was awesome. I don't know if I can do that at 40, but I had a lot of fun with it. There is this reason that we can hold on to Jesus. Don't let go. All who hold to Jesus will not be ashamed. Don't be ashamed. Don't be ashamed. Do not stay under the rope. Stay where it is good. But, but you know what? Here's what's amazing is we don't even stop Luke describes a sinless perfection in verse 15. And then in verse 16, how that perfection is manifested. Not just that Jesus is perfect, but that his perfection is revealed in these verses. Christ's work is untainted by sin, unlike even the best of our sins. He has undergone the full battle of temptation, and yet he has endured all the more. never giving in to temptation means that he has resisted the full strength, the full power. He didn't shortchange it. He didn't give in at some point. But he knows what it's like even more than you and I do. He endured the full measure of what sin had to offer in order to overcome it. And in this, Jesus has done what he can. And so the response to verse 16 is, is not to think, you know, wow, Jesus is so amazing and so holy, you know, I, I could never even be like that. I think that's our natural response. It's how we think of that television, celebrity, or some cult today is, you know, how could I even be near him? But Jesus tells us in verse 16 that it's exactly the opposite of we should have what he has. The image is of a throne, the throne of our king. And instead of being intimidating, remote, you know, maybe way up on a, on a platform and surrounded by guards and advisors and what we see, instead we are invited to draw because of our achievements or our own victories, but because of what Jesus has done. We can draw near for, for what we lack, for what we need. We come near to get filled, to be nourished, to receive the daily grace, the regular nourishment that we need in order to follow and to take It's quite a challenge. 
Jesus was not some remote God, standing far off with a list of who could not eat and who couldn't not eat. He's not the uh, uh, some celebrate tradition. He's not the elf on the shelf kind of Irish God. He's heaven's mother. the picture is the opposite. It's that for all who trust Him, for all who, who receive Him as Lord and Savior, this Jesus is our high priest. He dispenses thanks and dedication and of mercy that we need. Because He personally has pridefully kept because of your record a few years ago, uh, where one of my pastoral uh, heroes was there speaking, and uh, Sam and I read his book. He's spoken around the world at the UG conferences. He's uh, taught for decades, recently retired, and, and he was scheduled to speak, and I was sitting in the front row at the auditorium, kind of to the side, uh, not one of those old students who sit dead in the middle here, hopefully everyone hears me. And I remember he came in a few minutes early, and he stood, and he pointed right here. This was Paul, this same point, made around the world. He is speaking to the Lord in all the church gathering. And And I won't say who, but I was at this conference, and to my shame,
believe that the story doesn't end even there. It's continuing on by reason of the meeting of Hebrews 7. For every high priest chosen from among men is appointed to act on behalf of men in relation to God, to offer gifts and sacrifices to God. He can deal gently with the ignorant and wayward, he himself is himself ignorant. Because of this, he is obligated to offer sacrifice for his own sins, just as he does for those of the people. Because no one takes this honor for himself, but only when called by God, just as he is. So, also, Christ did not exalt himself to be made a high priest, but was appointed by him who said to him, You are my son. Today I have begotten you. As he says also in another place, you are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. Well, let's pray. I suspect that the original readers of this letter would be well acquainted with these facts. Uh, For them, these words would have served as a reminder. Part of the the argument that the author of of Hebrews is showing to human high priest and earthly king. But for you and I, we know so much better about high priests. Their sins were deeper and deeper than ever before in their lives. They help us to better grasp these great truths. Here we read that high priests were chosen and appointed by the Lord. Uh, Nobody went to school for this. Even the sons of Aaron did not automatically become high priests on on account of their genealogy. They just had to be chosen by God. No one wins a vote for this. You don't get to vote on this. Only God does that. And what does God choose this high priest to do? They are to act on behalf of the people of Israel. Specifically, the high priest offers worship sacrifices to God. Which brings us then to the to the next point. It's crucial to this whole concept of a high priest and what a high priest can do. But the reason is so that the high priest may offer sacrifices like this human being. What it is to be in the same place as the people that he uh, to need the, the very grace that this high priest is calling on the Lord to offer. Therefore, every high priest offers sacrifices, not just for the people of God, not just for, for, for them, but also for us. High priest His need, after all, is his own sin, the grace that is given, could only be provided by holy God. What's so astounding about all of this is to see how Jesus is himself a priest. First, he did not appoint himself. Rather, Jesus was chosen by God, just as every other high priest. Uh, that's the point the author makes in verse 36, which we've read from. Uh, second, Jesus is made a high priest forever, but in a, a, a greater and a, a deeper sense than any of their high priests. They would, after all, live and then die. So would he. Jesus lives, he dies, not for his own sins, but for ours. And he was not stay dead, but he rose 
to be Jesus preached a moral message of Psalm 110. Now we'll talk more about this side of Psalm 110 today here in the near future. But if you're curious, in the meantime, you can look up verse 14. For now, though, the point is that Jesus' priesthood is is similar to but different from in the sense it doesn't need to be concerned with dealing with his own sin because he has no sin. It's all for Jesus. It's all for Jehovah. Brothers and sisters, our, our, our Savior is our eternal Lord. What Jesus offers is not just enough to get you into heaven. It's not just like, like B minus, okay, we'll, we'll pass you on even though not what Jesus is doing. He's not just doling out enough bags for enough days to save you. No, it's actually the opposite. Christ's grace and mercy are overflowing. They are abundant. They are infinite. You will not exhaust them. Called on the Lord on our behalf, 
He has come before the Father to make us right with Him. How did Jesus do it? It started as a child. We read that He learned obedience. Don't let that trouble your peace. It's not because Jesus wasn't perfect, but instead He learned in the things that He experienced that are His best.